This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman, bringing clarity to Washington, D.C. news. We see corruption at every level in Washington, and it's in both parties. Exposing the deception plaguing our nation's capital. Not only what he told every Republican senator, but what he told the press over and over and over again was a simple lie. And helping Christians stay informed about government. Now, of course, this puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. Be sure to visit AFR.net or wherever you get your podcast to hear past episodes. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio. Welcome to the American Family Radio Network. My name is Walker Wildman, and you're listening to Exposing Washington. That's the name of the show. Check out our website, AFR.net. AFR.net is our website. Check it out 24-7, 365 days a year. You can visit our website, AFR.net. You can also download our app. I mention it each, each week, but it's becoming more and more popular. The American Family Radio app, you can download it on your phone, tablet device, Roku device, Apple TV device. We're expanding to more devices over the coming months, so the AFR app is a great way to stay connected to American Family Radio, along with the website. And, of course, we're on uh, YouTube. We have a YouTube channel where you can listen to the audio of the show. If, uh, if you're a, a heavy YouTube user, you can uh, catch Exposing Washington, the audio at least, on our YouTube channel, Exposing Washington. So various ways to keep up with the show. We're going to talk about several things today on the show. We're going to focus in on China, as we've done before. We're going to talk about um, China versus the U.S. and how that's going. We'll talk about the supply chain, how the executive branch is moving to secure long-term stability, not short-term. There's a difference. How the U.S., how the executive branch and the federal government, how they are moving to secure the supply chain for the long term. We're going to talk about President Trump uh, declaring, classifying houses of worship, churches, i.e. churches, essential businesses, and what that means. It's very important. And then we'll, uh, we'll get into the coronavirus panic. And um, and talk about that and how just the media, the few clips I've got today, the media just, they want things to be bad. Even though reality says things are not so bad after all, the media seems to just be obsessed with telling a bad story. So I guess they can get the viewers, the consumers all riled up and in panic mode. What the goal is there, I have no idea. It makes absolutely no sense. Why the media seems to love bad news, it, 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 I don't get it. But I guess the old saying, if it bleeds, it leads, uh, holds true to a certain extent. But not here on American Family Radio. To start out, let's talk about China. You know, uh, China started this entire mess. They started the COVID-19 pandemic, which it is a pandemic. Uh, many people have died from it. 
it's a pretty pretty nasty uh, disease or virus, upper respiratory virus, similar to the flu, a little more lethal. Um, but uh, so it's it is a serious thing. But um, so China unleashed this on the world. And we're still finding out more information. We still don't know exactly how it came out of the lab in Wuhan. When we're going to find that out, I don't know. It should be sooner rather than later because our government knows pretty in a pretty detailed fashion how this virus got out of that lab in Wuhan, China. So it's just a matter of time before the public finds out, hopefully in the coming weeks or months because I think we all deserve to know why China let this get out of the lab. And whether it was intentional or not, we'll find out. The China's been, been very aggressive for years now. This is not a new threat. For years, China has been advancing on our position, if you want to use a wartime analogy. And many administrations, including the Obama administration and the Bush administration and even the Clinton administration, um, many of these administrations have been very passive when it comes to China. (laughs) Some administrations have actually enabled China to further advance on our position to be a world leader, a leader on the world stage. But I want to play clip one here. This is General Jack Keane. He's a four-star general. He's on He's retired, but he was on Fox News talking with Bill Hemmer about, you know, China, what what they're doing to advance on America, on our technology, on our industries, and how this is not a traditional war. Clip one, let's listen. Well, the red storm rising has really been going on for a number of years. Um, it certainly was accelerated when President Xi took over in 2013. The problem is, is uh, the previous administration and the world at large refused to acknowledge what was really taking place, that that Xi wanted to dominate the Asia-Pacific region. He said so in his speeches, and he wanted to replace the United States as the world's global leader. And then he put a military uh, accelerated development program in place, and he also became a huge economic predator and intellectual property theft. Uh, So all of that has been happening. I will admit, since COVID-19 has taken place, Lou, and because he's been backed into the corner a little bit because of international criticism, he's lashing out more than he has in the past. And now he's meeting with the National Party Congress in Beijing. Some of this, I believe, is posturing, you know, about the threat of war. Uh, he doesn't want that. If he had war, he would never be able to achieve any any of his objectives uh, that he has for the country. And, and that would be a risk that would absolutely be unacceptable uh, to the Chinese Communist Party. Well, there you have it. That was actually uh, he was on with uh, General Jack Keane was on with Lou Dobbs on Fox Business. I've got another clip um, from uh, Bill Hammer's show. But nonetheless, the. Um, the last part of that clip is really the most important where General Jack Keane talks about how China really doesn't want war with the U.S., how it would interrupt their strategy to dominate the world. But we have to transition away from this traditional mindset of war. So General Keane was talking about traditional boots on the ground, fighter planes flying over, bombs dropping, (laughs) war. But we're past that. 
as a world, mostly, we're past that. That's not the new warfare. The new warfare is what China is doing to the world right now. And it's called cheating, lying, and manipulating. That's what China is doing. And so when we, when we look at China, we can't look at this on, well, is China, you know, are they going to fire on one of our ships? Or is China going to <laughs> invade California? That's not, um, that's not what we're looking at here. We, whatever kind of warfare you want to call it, economic warfare, etc. This is, China is advancing on America at a rapid pace, even though it's slowed down a little bit since the Trump administration took, took power. But China is advancing on our position and we have to do things to stop it and not only stop it, but become, uh, get back on offense to get back on in an offensive position as a country and stop playing defense. One way, one way we can get back on an offensive position is to bring back the supply chain for various industries back to America so that the next time China just, oops, accidentally lets this, lets another virus, they're, they're, they're terrible at this. They're terrible at handling these viruses and this. When you look at world history, at least modern history, you look at the various illnesses that have come out of China, that have originated in China. This is, China has a bad track record of handling these mess-ups. But my point here is that, um, that being said, the supply chain, securing our American supply chain, not just on medical equipment, not just on pharmaceuticals, but across the board. I mean, we really need to have a secure supply chain for every um, consumer product, whether it be shoes, clothing, medical supplies, pharmaceutical supplies, etc., etc. So one way that we're going to do that is by incentivizing companies to come back to America, come back to America via tax incentives. Let's listen to clip two. This is uh, Larry Kudlow, the uh, economic advisor for President Trump, talking about how the federal government is working to bring companies back to America. We welcome any American companies in Hong Kong or China mainland. We will do what we can for full expensing and pay the costs of moving if they return their supply chains and their production to the United States. That's one of our key uh, policy issues. But I think China's, China's making a big mistake. Well, there you have it. That's uh, Larry Kudlow talking about what the government is doing to incentivize companies coming back to America. And especially any company that is that is headquartered in America, such as Apple and many others. But to me, it's, it's these companies, it's their patriotic duty to bring production back to America. 
And the more of the supply chain we can also bring back to America, the better. And I understand if, if we can't bring literally every piece of the supply chain back to America, but at least at a minimum, bring it back to our allies so that it's in a trusted uh, country, not China. And there's the, the supply chain is very complex, and there's many pieces to it, but we cannot be in a position again where we are relying on a foreign government, a foreign country, to produce personal protective equipment, masks, test kits, pharmaceutical, pharmaceuticals. We can't rely on someone, especially an adversary, to provide that product for us. We have to bring it back and bring it back fast. This should be a top priority for uh, the Trump administration, and I believe it is for the most part. Speaking of bringing it back, this was an interesting article I read. Um, uh, the headline here is former, former Obama economist warns Democrats about, quote, snapback scenario <laughs> that could help Trump. And Jason Furman is the economist that used to work for President Obama. And what he's talking about here in this article is how the economic recovery could be, could be much more expedited than originally thought. Some people were talking about months. Some people were even talking about years. I've seen some studies that say, you know, it's going to take two to three years to get this economy back. Well, Mr. Furman here uh, in this article is talking about how this economy could snap back fast, which will be good for for America, good for everybody pretty much because all the wealth that has been destroyed across the country could be rebuilt and eventually get back to what it once was, but it'll take time. And, you know, he kind of gets into how this could hurt the Democrats because the Democrats want, not all, some Democrats and we've had them say it on national television, some Democrats would like the economy to struggle for a long time until they get power. But thankfully, they're not in control, and we may see a economic snapback, as this economist said, uh, in a very expedited fashion, which is good, as I mentioned, for all of America, not good for just Republicans, not good for just Democrats, an economic snapback is good for America. It's good for everyone. Moving on, President Trump made a major announcement uh, a week ago at the White House talking about houses of worship and our churches and how they are essential businesses in the eyes of the federal government and the CDC. This is important. I'll, I'll explain a little context after the clip, but let's listen to clip three. 
at my direction, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is issuing guidance for communities of faith. I want to thank Dr. Redfield and the CDC for their work on this matter and all the other work they've been doing over the past what now seems like a long period of time. Today, I'm identifying houses of worship, churches, synagogue, and mosques as essential places that provide essential services. Some governors have deemed liquor stores and abortion clinics as essential, but have left out churches and other houses of worship. It's not right. So I'm correcting this injustice and calling houses of worship essential. Well, there you have it, President Trump, via the CDC declaring houses of worship as essential. And this is important. You know, a lot of people say, well, this, this doesn't really have any teeth on it. This doesn't really matter. You know, what's President Trump going to do? Well, this does matter. And here's why. By the federal government declaring churches as essential businesses, which they should be, and they should have been from day one, this enables the Department of Justice it gives the Department of Justice more leverage, even than they already have. The Constitution is enough leverage on its own. But it gives the Department of Justice more leverage to tell states and governors, look, churches must be open. Churches must be allowed to be open. And I'm a firm believer that the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution prevents governors and local municipalities and the federal government, for that matter, it prevents them, the First Amendment prevents them from shutting down churches at all. I would argue that these governors across the country who closed down churches never had any legal authority to do so. And the only rare exception where, where a governor may have the authority to close down a church is in the case of an emergency in which that governor and our mayor shuts down every other business, including Walmart and Lowe's. But what we've seen here is that the grocery stores and some others were deemed, quote, essential. And I get that. People need groceries, but people need church, too. And uh, so you had these big box stores open, and then the churches closed, which is an unfair application of the law and or of an executive order. And so uh, the, the, the instances where a governor or mayor can shut down a church are very, very, very slim. And there has to be there has to be a real emergency. There has to be a real emergency. And in many parts of the country, the vast majority of the country is not in an emergency. Just because the coronavirus is making its rounds through the population doesn't mean we're naturally in an emergency. 
an emergency has to be justified. We can't just pull it out of our pocket and say it's an emergency. Because then we'll have mayors and governors pulling, they'll just be calling everything emergencies in order to limit our constitutional rights. An emergency has to be justified. And when you look across the country at our situation, we are not in an emergency. And many of us never were. You could say, some could argue, well, New York City was in an emergency. And that's, that probably makes sense. You could probably justify that. But just because New York City is in an emergency doesn't mean the rest of the country is. And so uh, we will see churches begin to open back up here in the next few weeks, and that is a good thing. Many churches have stayed open this entire time. That is also a good thing. At the end of the day, it should be up to the congregants, the American citizens, the citizens of each state. It should be up to them to make decisions for themselves. If people don't want to go to church, if they don't want to go to, go to the grocery store, whatever they don't want to do, they are not, they, they're not forced to do anything. They can stay at home indefinitely like the Democrats want to do if they'd like. But for other Americans who would like to get back to normalcy, then they should have the freedom to do so and make their own decisions as free American citizens in a constitutional republic. Moving on to a few other things I talked about at the beginning of the show, we were going to talk about how the media has just been absolutely hyping everything up, and that stands true today. I want to play a clip here. This is a uh, this is an MSNBC reporter giving a uh, report at a local area, and he's talking about how nobody's wearing masks and and uh, nobody's following the rules and and nobody just nobody seems to care about what's going on. The world's ending and nobody seems to care. Let's listen to this. This is clip five. Let's listen. So are the people there just not worried about it, Cal? Are they not worried about their own personal safety? I haven't met anybody who is. I met some folks actually from Lake Geneva who lived in the area. They were staying a few miles outside of town where I were. And they said they're worried about it. They're worried about that second spike. They're worried about folks coming in from Chicago. But they'll quickly add at the same time, this is a place that relies on that business. I think people here want a little bit more funding when it comes to these programs so that they could stay closed. But again, I think people felt like the Supreme Court made the decision here in Wisconsin that it was time to open up. But you can see here, just around. Nobody's wearing them. Nobody's. Uh, the there you go, including the cameraman. Yeah. Katie? <laughs> Striking images. Cal Perry. Cal, thank you very much. Oh, goodness. You, you Do you want to know what just happened there? The MSNBC reporter was in Wisconsin giving a on the ground report of what's going on. <laughs> and he picks out this, this um, bystander. And says, uh, look, look, he's not wearing a mask. Look here, see, not wearing a mask, not concerned. And then the bystander says, well, your cameraman's not wearing a mask either. Boom. And so this MSNBC reporter goes, yep, and my cameraman's not wearing a mask either. <laughs> so that just shows the, the, the fakeness, if that's a word. Uh of these of these reporters the MSNBC reporter puts on his mask to do this live shot 
and his cameraman's not wearing a mask. But the reporter is complaining about how all the bystanders aren't wearing masks, even though his own cameraman is not wearing a mask. The double standards, the double standards. And you see this at the White House at the press briefings. The reporters, will they'll be standing around ready for the press briefing to start and none of them will have their mask on. And then the cameras cut on and oh, everybody puts their mask on for the cameras, put their mask on for the cameras. Either you wear your mask or you don't. But this whole putting on a mask for the camera is dumb. And you want to talk more about media overhyping things? Let's play clip four. This is CNN coming to the reality coming down to planet Earth about how states like Georgia that are reopening are doing just fine. Clip four. Looking at scenes like this, you may think Georgia never closed. CNN took a closer look at the data. What we found is that at least so far, the numbers haven't changed much. In the months since Georgia's governor eased restrictions in a big way, the rate of new cases hasn't declined, but it hasn't skyrocketed either despite some dire predictions. Looking at data from Johns Hopkins University between April 24th and May 24th, the number of new confirmed cases by day in Georgia does show slightly higher numbers over the past five days or so. But zooming out, though it goes up and down, overall data shows the rate of new daily cases in Georgia has been mostly flat from April 24th, the day of the first reopening, to May 24th, averaging in the six to 700 range. The rate of new deaths per day also steady. Blah, 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 blah. What you just heard there was about 50 seconds. I shouldn't have even played it. That was a waste of air. That was 50 seconds of CNN saying what we all thought to be true, and that is states like Georgia that have been reopened for four weeks now are doing just fine, and actually they're not seeing an uptick in cases. It's pretty steady. Same with deaths when it comes to COVID-19. But just weeks ago, the media was saying that Georgia was going to burn. Georgia was going to become the next New York. The next New York City. Why? Because the governor said, hey, let's reopen everything. Let's reopen everything. Let's do it now. And so Georgia is doing just fine. And the same with the vast majority of other states, including Florida, Mississippi, Texas, Tennessee, States that are reopening are doing just fine. The cases are fairly steady across the board. And so the doom and gloom that was projected never came to pass or has yet to come to pass. Where are the apologies from the doctors and the model makers who said America was going to have two million deaths? by August, where are they? Nowhere to be found. Exposing Washington American Family Radio. Check out our website, AFR.net. Also download the AFR app when you can. We'll see you next week.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.